Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is this the real life or is this just a fictional reality? Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of Fictional Reality. I'm your host, James Elliott. And uh, this week, I'm going to tell you um, about a TV show that has not aired yet. So for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, uh, I'm a time traveler. Uh, the fun part about uh, saying that is that no one believes you. So <laughs> uh, you can just say it pretty openly and everyone thinks, oh, okay, cool, what's going on here? On here? So um, I'm from the future. I'm from a completely different year. Uh, the year I come from is actually called 274235. Um, I actually don't quite know how to translate that into this year, 2019, but in my time, 2019 would be 824127. Um, so it's a different system. We have a different calendar, and I don't quite know how to convert the years. Nonetheless, I'm from the future, and... Uh, yeah, I thought it would be fun to tell you about a TV show that hasn't come out yet. And that's on theme with what we're talking about here. And it is called Simply Time. Um, it airs in about two, two and a half years or so from now. And uh, it's a game changer. It, uh, it gets people back uh, on board with the time travelers. Now, you won't know this, most of you listening to this... Uh, but you're, we're currently in the dark ages of time travelers. So there's a period in the history of time travel where no one knows about it, and it's this big secret. And it sort of has to be that way, um, for reasons I'll probably go into a lot later. But for all intents and purposes, the last couple of thousand years, you guys have been in this time travel, time traveler dark ages. Um, on either side of that is... In, age of light, of time travel, of people going in between both ancient and future civilizations, willy-nilly. Um, and, yeah, you don't know about it. It's so hidden from you, the world of this, this reality, that uh, it's just a fictional trope used in storytelling. Um, I'll be able to tell the most unbelievable tales. Uh, that's no perp. That's done on purpose. Um, so it's incredulous for you to even imagine time travel is not only absolutely real, definitely happens and has happened. And people are, there is an entire civilization of humanity that exists as time traveling beings. Um, but we respect our history and we keep this in the dark ages. Why am I telling you this? Um, well, we actually have some leniency here. Uh, 
Oh, well, it's not leniency, but it's just in... Because it presents itself as so fictional, no one will truly believe it. Uh, so I can tell you all I want, and uh, no one's minds have changed. There's no real risk of that happening. That's why they call it the Dark Ages. There's sort of nothing you can really do um, to change it. So I'm going to tell you about this TV show. It's called Time, and it follows the a protagonist, a young lady named Alex. Now, we don't learn much about her at the start, but she wakes up. Uh, it's her birthday. It's her 30th birthday. And <clears throat> she sees an envelope on the floor slid under, a under her apartment door just before she's about to leave for work. And on the envelope is, well, inside the envelope is a transit cart, um, like for a bus or a train, a small dark stone, and another letter, another envelope. On the envelope is titled Dr. Montgomery. Uh, so she doesn't really know what to make of it. She puts, puts it in her pocket, goes out the door, walks down the street, and um, <coughs> she's on the phone. She heads to the train station for work, and just before she goes to tap on, she pulls out the envelope out of her pocket. And she sees it's a transit pass, and so she sees if it's going to work, taps it onto the to the little terminal and walks through. She walks around a corridor, and uh, the train station that she knows is completely different. She's in a completely different world, almost. And she's at a place called the Time Train Dilation Station, and she has no idea what to make of it. She walks down to the platform, all these people dressed in different outfits and costumes. It has a bit of a feel of a theme park. Um, and a person comes over and ushers her onto a train. And she takes off, and before she knows it, she's on this train, and she's out in this lush, wide, open, plain countryside, going a million miles an hour down the line here. Anyway, these uh, attendants come up to her, sort of like slightly robotic, and you know, she can't get a really grip of what's going on, but they're quite understanding, and they uh, they sort of get her in a makeup chair and put her in a costume, and they tell her that she's on her way to experience a different time. It's here that we learn she's on a time train, and that the transit pass she had was actually some very advanced technology, and it allowed her to have this pass. So it's a it's a recreation. People go to these different times and they experience events and they dress up in the characters and they have to sort of blend in and not make a scene. And they get to experience the thing firsthand. Sort of like going to the movies, but going to the actual event. Um, and she has been gifted a, uh, a rare experience of witnessing something called the first event. So whoever has given it to her... Um, has given her a gift of sorts to go on an adventure. And she's being made up to go to ancient Egypt, where she's going to witness the first time-travelling event uh, ever recorded within the Society of Time Travellers. <coughs> and so she, again, not knowing what to make of it, and this all happening very quickly, before she knows it, she's all dressed up, and she pulls up at this, and she's in the desert, you know, the Sahara Desert. 
and there's this little station there, a little way station, it's like palm fronds, sort of like cheap resorty type thing, and there are um, some camels, and a camel herder dude, and she comes out into this strange place, she takes two steps off the train, turns around, it's completely gone, it's disappeared, and there's nothing but sand. Nothing but sand. Um, so, she's out there in this little oasis in the middle of the desert. And uh, this camel herder, camel rider, I guess, he comes up and he helps her onto a camel and tells her he's going to take her into the city. Um, to Giza. And anyway, he's, he's quite sassy. He's pretty funny. And he tells her, you know, that they are there as tourists just to watch the events. Um, so try not to, to bring any attention to themselves. He's, he talks about uh, the space fold. So the technology has folded space and time together. And the way that the human mind comprehends it is it just sees it as sort of part of everything. Like you just walk th around a corner and you're in a different place. But you can't tell where the where the space is folded together. It's seamlessly done. <coughs> and so as they do this, of course, they are walking through this sort of like cavernous valley um, slightly and turn around and then all of a sudden here they are in a bustling marketplace of uh, the city. And she gets, uh, you know, one of those implants, you know, something implanted into the back of her head. And that makes it so that she can talk with everyone and understand everyone <laughs> seamlessly. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a bit cheesy, but uh, it all makes it part of the fun. So she gets dropped off, and uh, before you know it, the camera rider, he's turned around and gone away, and she's on her own in this bustling city uh, thousands of years in the past, apparently. And, you know, half an hour ago she was uh, waking up on her birthday morning in her apartment in the city. Um, so she doesn't know what quite to make of it. And she's walking through the marketplace and she spots this cat up standing on top of a fruit basket. And the cat is perched very intently and it's looking down on this man who's um, haggling with someone over some apples. And uh, the cat is sort of perched in a way that it's going to pounce. And she's watching it closely, and the cat glances at her and then glances back and then makes this jump and jumps onto the table, flicks a spoon that's been resting on a rolling pin up, and uh, that flicks this pouch up that's on the guy on the back of the guy's pants. And the cat jumps up, grabs it, lands on the back guy back of the guy, who, you know, yells out, and the cat jumps up, runs away on top of the uh, uh, the thing, the marquee, and so Alex sees this and is like, what the fuck? She chases after the cat uh, and starts following it and ends up going into this little quiet place in the marketplace uh, that's pretty empty, and it's a little catacomb tomb sort of thing, and she follows the cat in there, and it darts around a corner, another corner, and then 
it's gone. Well, she can't see it at first, but it's in this dark little bit. And she moves in closer and she can see it. And then all of a sudden, the door moves. Like an outline is created in the rock. And uh, opens this big vault air chamber door. And the cat's just sitting there. Like, it, it's not bothered by this at all. And inside is this futuristic tech plant-filled sort of Edwardian bookcase, but also super futuristic tech spaceship. And But this door has opened up onto the airlock chamber. And the cat's just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, a man enters. You know, this nice-looking old man. He's got this white beard. And uh, comes down, picks the cat up. The cat's carrying this little pouch in its mouth. So... She screams out. And this is how we get onto Dr. Montgomery's spaceship. So he, you know, is quite non-faced uh, and invites her in. And, you know, he's not very, he's pretty disarming. And as incredulous as the whole thing is. Um, but she steps on and she's on uh, a spaceship. There's windows everywhere and it's traveling through the stars, and it turns out that Dr. Montgomery is a time historian, and he has sort of illegally folded space with his spaceship um, at the airlock entry door uh, to witness this first event, and uh, he's not supposed to be doing it, so he's keeping on the down low, and he doesn't really like having to dress up anyway, so he stays on the spaceship, and then sends his little cat out, Persephone, who is actually an artificially intelligent cyborg cat uh, to run errands for him. So Persephone is awesome and uh, can do a whole bunch of, you know, is just one of, like, the master trap setter. And uh, even though she's a cat, she's got her own personality. And, uh, yeah, she plays a big part in, well, at least this episode. So... This is where we find out a little bit more about Alex. So she wonders, why me? And Dr. Montgomery wonders the same thing. And this is where she pulls out the other two items that she has, a letter addressed to him and this little stone. Uh, on the three items, by the way, there was a symbol there and symbol ties them all together. And Dr. Montgomery opens the envelope, opens the piece of paper and laughs. And what's written on the piece of paper is, the secret is it's simple. That's all that's written there, and uh, he seems to know exactly what that means. So, nonetheless, this is where we find out a little bit more about Alex. Um, she's just working part-time in a deli uh, while living in the city. She's just recently moved there, and uh, she's just trying to pay back some debt and get up to speed on life. You know, not really much going on. Uh, doesn't really know anyone and has moved away from her family, so she's in a brand new city. Uh, so this is pretty strange to her. Um, Dr. Montgomery doesn't know, or he says he doesn't know, who sent her the letter, but that um, this is pretty highly restricted territory, uh, so much so that he's not sure that there are any other time travelers allowed into this exact moment, um, because it's too pivotal and too crucial. It's the first event. Uh, that is said to happen, have happened in 
ancient Egypt um, after they'd finished completing the three pyramids of Giza. Um, it is said that they held a ceremony, and at the ceremony, uh, the first person traveled through time to the future. Now, this is all, all written about, <coughs> but in Alex's time, uh, that's not what the history books say. They have all been uh, rewritten to reflect a different use. So the pyramids are actually giant time machines, and the ancient Egyptians discovered how to build them. And that's their sort of time train dilation station. That's what they initially used with the pyramids. And they harness light in these ways that um, there's a little bit of techno mumbo jumbo, but the pyramids refract, can refract light in a certain way so that it carries it, actually. If you put mirrors in these certain corners of all these crevices, uh, you could find that a light beam would travel all the way to the very, very, very center of the pyramid, and as it would, it would refract and uh, interact with itself, and it would create, a, it would experience fluid dynamics, light, the fluid dynamics of light uh, would be played with, and if a person was standing in the middle, then it is said uh, that it is able to make them travel through time. In some, in some way. So this is apparently the first event, and this is what the Egyptians have been working towards. It's no secret to them. They know exactly what they're building. They're just working toward this, this final event when it's all going to work, when the sun passes over the, the peak in a certain way. So she's there to witness that. She's been given that rare privilege. Um, must be very expensive. <laughs> so some mysterious, mysterious gift giver. Uh, nonetheless, he tells her to go out and uh, just enjoy it, uh, not to question it too much, and he'll have Persephone keep an eye on her. Uh, so with that, she gets sent on her way into this bustling Egyptian city. Uh, everyone is super excited about the event, uh, and this is where we learn a little bit more about the prophecy. So, so the prophecy, uh, this is where we learn a little bit more about uh, the prophecy uh, according to the Egyptians who are living there. So the prophecy is that in the upcoming days to the event, um, someone will be chosen, uh, someone there, and they will know what to do when the time comes. So there's a leap of faith involved that everything is building up to this moment. And no one knows what is going to happen, but they know that at that time, someone will stand in the place and do what needs to be done. But they don't know what needs to be done. They've built the pyramid, um, exactly how they sort of worked it out, and now they're just waiting for this event. So um, the only symbols to symbolize this are um, a fiery bird and a lion on top of the bird's back. And this sort of symbolizes the first event. Anyway, um, this is where Alex, you know, meets a group of people and sort of hears this fantastic story and uh, then they're, they're celebrating. You know, there's some friends she's made and so she starts celebrating with them. 
and she has this big whirlwind party and it's all very fun and she dances and takes in all the culture and um, seems to have it's quite a it's a fun event as fun as it can be and it's very joyous and celebratory uh, but at some point in the night she flips and realizes that she's very alone um, actually that this is the most alone she could ever be in the, right now no one she knows is anywhere near existing um, at all she's completely and has no idea how to get back home now that she thinks about it she's trapped out here like everything rushed along so quickly that she never got a chance to ask anyone how she could get back and even how to get back to Dr. Montgomery or how to open the door or, or do anything like that so um, and this grips her she goes away and she leaves the party and goes into a quieter part of the town um, and she sits down and just is very sad and this is when she starts to sing happy birthday to herself and as she's doing this this slow fading in starts to happen very faint at first that she doesn't even really notice it but she keeps going and then right at the last second that's when the fading rapidly goes up and we hear the same song being sung and all of a sudden now we have met Alex <laughs> so this is called a mind flip or a mind jump um, and what has happened is that Alex has sung happy birthday to herself at this specific location and in a completely different time in the far future but on the same day at the same time and in the exact same location two people sung exactly the same song and so what that meant is that all but you know this is explained later but I'll just explain it now so you can um, I don't know because it's all part of it <coughs> So what that means is that consciousness is actually merged because energy is a timeless um, sort of substance and it's not really a substance but if you can imagine it as a substance, it's timeless. So it connects all matter timelessly and when you have something in the same place at the same time relative to a large gravitational body like the sun or the center of a galaxy, uh, you have this coherence point. And if the two uh, consciousness are sort of uh, on the same frequency, vibrating in the same way, at the same time, the same place, uh, at different times, different years, is exactly what happens to our protagonist, Alex. She meets Alex in the distant future. Now, we'll call them Alex 1 and Alex 2. This is where we get introduced to Alex 2. He is living in the future at the first event on the other end of the line. So there was a prophecy in ancient Egypt about the first event of time travel and then a long, long, long time later 
this prophecy starts to come up again and scientists realize that they can replicate it and that the information becomes refreshed and they start to realize, oh, they're going to fulfill their role at the end of the line. They're going to mind flip with these ancient Egyptians, um, which can only be done if someone is standing in the same place at the same time relative to the time of day and year uh, and they sing the same song, that is, they put their consciousnesses in a certain harmony, that's their consciousness. And Alex in the future is waiting for that future event to happen as well. And they're in a similar thing in the future in that they don't quite know what's going to happen um, <coughs> as of yet. This is where we meet Alex. Alex number two. And so now their consciousnesses are linked. So, Alex number two. Um, it's, it's a similar situation in the future in that they know it's the time and the place and they just don't know what is going to happen. <laughs> and they were both singing happy birthday to themselves because they shared a birthday. Anyway, it turns out that um, Alex and Alex, they become good friends, and I'll sort of summarize the next half of the plot. Uh, they, so what ends up happening is that it turns out Alex and Alex are the first time jumpers, and they did it in this really simple way. They sung happy birthday, they sung the same song. Uh, these two different times, but the same times of the year. It just, just happened by chance. It happens very rarely. And this was the sort of first one of them all. And so Alex is the first event. And so she goes out, and then what do you do? What do you do when you realize this? And so they start talking about, you know, their respective worlds, and Alex in the far future. Anyway, uh, not too long down the line, Alex notices Persephone, and Persephone is again trying to get something off someone, you know, steal something in this outlandish way, and misses and <coughs> causes a scrape, and Alex pushes someone out of the way, and uh, then lands uh, of a of a moving cart throughout the scrape, trying to like help out Persephone. And pushes this poor dude over, and she lands on top of him, and Persephone lands on the top of Alex, and the way that the sun is shining through, and the way per the um, uh, Persephone's perched on Alex is the fiery bird, and the uh, lion on the back, you know, the corona that the sun is making, and this guy is just like, oh my god, you know, and he's like instantly in love and just completely enamored with her. And so it turns out that this is the chosen dude, this like random Egyptian dude that was just um, on the side of the street. Uh, and that's where she pulls out the stone. And the stone is the same symbol that is all over this stuff. And she hands the stone to him. And it is said that the 
person will know what to do and what to say at the same time. So she leans down, she whispers in his ear, and then he's like, oh my god, I'm the fucking chosen one, but he has to sort of keep it a secret. And then, of course, she gets out of there, because she's not meant to interfere in any way. But at the same time, she's the first event, so what the fuck? She, um, so that's when Persephone takes her on a chase, uh, and she follows. Anyway, <coughs> she goes back to the ship, and Monty is sort of like, yeah, yeah, I sort of know he's not giving much away, but he's also like, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, and it's here we learn that Monty's actually an outlaw, and, uh, He's not just doing something illegal, but he's sort of wanted um, by the time the time traveling sort of police because he, he gets up to no good. Uh, as we discover that there, and this is where he starts to think, I think I need to kill Alex. So he goes actually sort of crazy and tries to kill her, and she narrowly gets out, um, gets out of the airlock, and uh, with a little help from Persephone. Anyway, so she's back out in the streets of the city, and, like, it's this day. It's this moment. The time is coming right up, and everyone's around waiting, and they're sort of chanting, and no one knows what to do, because there's no one to consult. Like, it's a... Everyone sort of knows it. There's no centralized leadership. It's all just done as a big group. And so it's like, what, what the... F what do we do? We're just waiting. And it's like, the time is coming closer. The time is getting closer, and uh, old mate, the uh, the Egyptian boy, it's, you know, the minutes are ticking down. He starts to make his way forward. He's got the stone in his hand. The crowd is parting, okay? Something's happening. Someone's doing something. A similar thing is happening in the far future. Um, Alex, too, begins to walk through the crowd, and, you know, this far future pyramid is pretty different. It's full of tech full of all these scientists measuring shit and, and you know, they're just measuring everything because they don't know what to look for. And Alex too slowly makes his way. Again, the crowd parts and it's sort of like a similar event. They walk up a small, up onto the podium, up onto like this raised platform. Um, and then in the center is where the light is going to be focused and you can see the sun is, is moving out as it's doing it. And uh, they both walk up, stand at the same place, the seconds are ticking down, you know, the sand and the hourglass or whatever. And then the right second hits and the prince starts singing happy birthday. Alex too starts singing happy birthday, standing on the podium there. And as he's doing it, out of a little hole off to the side near the top of the, the cabin, the, the area that they're in, in Alex too's time, out pops a little cat's head, Persephone. She jumps down and lands smack bang in the middle of the podium right under the light and sits there. And in her mouth she's carrying the little stone that uh, that Alex one had. And Alex two takes the stone and then at the end of the song they flip consciousness. 
Now, this is a difference. Alex 2 and Alex 1, they merge consciousness. What usually happens is the person flips. Um, Alex 2 and Alex 1's one was even more rare than anything else. So, uh, that, that is a very rare event. What usually happens is that you just have a straight flip. And uh, so Alex 2 is transported into the, um, into the Egyptian boy and the Egyptian boy is transported forward. And it's not like a painful thing and no one's overwhelmed or scared, like, because they've been preparing as best they can for this, they're both ready to accept it. Um, or they both know, sort of like, oh, okay, this this is it, it's consciousness flipping. Uh, no matter actually moves. Um, except Persephone, uh, that's a little mystery for later. And so then it happens and everyone cheers and we discover that the song that enables time travel throughout history is happy birthday. And that's the secret. That's the simplicity. That's what opens up all the doors. You see, happy birthday is a song that has been, been sung throughout time. But we're in a period now where it's just a part of this one simple ceremony, but it's actually deeply rooted in human civilization for this reason, for the time traveling reason. So that opens the door for people to try and figure out, or maybe they can mind flip with people any time, seeing as it's such a, a common song. We learn later that this is what all religious practices stem from. All uh, solar calendars and things that reflect light and use the sun are incorporating this and trying to get a large group of people together at the same time, singing the same thing in the hope that they will transcend and flip. Um, that's all revealed later. It's part of a larger larger arc in the season. But for now, it's just these two and everyone rejoices. They figured it out. The doors are opened. People can travel through time now. They know the secret code and song. It's very difficult to do at the beginning, of course, because you need these rituals and and so on. But it's, it's done. And Alex Wand did it. She was it. Of course, has no idea what to make of it. Um, so she's lost Alex too as part of her mind consciousness flip, and now Alex too is in the body of the Egyptian boy. They embrace, they have a moment, but then shortly after that, um, she's met with the camel herder again, who, uh, you know, is like, okay, time to go. And she gets back on the camel, goes back to the resort, uh, the train pulls up, she gets on that, goes back to the train station, leaves, is just like, what the hell? Walks up the stairs of the train station, turns the corner, and she's back in England. Uh, sorry, in her, in the train station in the city, not necessarily England. Um, and of course she turns around again, and it's just her old train station. The time train dilation station is gone. That's the end of the episode. Um... Yeah, it's a killer show. That's just the first episode. Um, I might summarize more episodes as we go along. We'll see if I feel like it. Uh, it's really great. Uh, yeah, you've got a few years until it comes out, but um, when it does, everyone's going to freaking love it. So, yeah, I thought you might enjoy that. Thanks for listening if you have. That's called that's the show called Time, and it centers around something called the Time Train Dilation Station. So, yeah, catch you next time.